You're listening to On The Fly, and I'm your host, Tina Hutchison. All right, so we're going to have some great conversations, really centered around how we stay focused, on track, when we're pursuing our purpose. I want this to be oxygen for you so that you can keep running hard after the dream inside you. We're so much better when we do this together. I'm here to serve, and I'm so glad you're listening. Today on the fly, I'll be keeping it in the family, and I do mean literally. I'll be having a conversation with my beautiful cousin, Crystal Marsh. Crystal is a graduate of East Tennessee State University. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree, and currently she's handling routing and logistics for a soil company in Arkansas. Crystal is a mother to three amazing children. She's got a great husband, and the five of them have weathered some really intense storms in the last two years, three years, and I really believe that there's so much that we can glean from hearing her story. It's a vulnerable exchange, and it was really brave of her to be willing to sit down and be so out of her comfort zone to allow me into such a personal journey, and I love her for that, and I believe that you will be very moved by her story and inspired in what Whatever you are walking through, be it walking through crisis on your own uh, and, and in reaching out for community or journeying beside someone who is in crisis, there is a message in here for each of us. Crystal, I'm so glad that you agreed to join me on the fly. You came in town for Thanksgiving and right there at dinner, I looked at you and said, hey, I'd really love to talk to you on my podcast. And you were willing. So I'm so glad you're here. Yes. Not excited, but willing and open. <laughs> So let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. I know that it's not your natural tendency to to just sit and 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 talk about what we'll talk mm-hmm. about today. I understand that, and of course you are my cousin, practically a sister, um, and I've known you uh, since you were born and brought into our family. And you are um, a very strong woman, but I know you've been made much stronger by what you've walked through. So we're going to talk about that journey, and I really believe that um, what you have to share is going to both inspire people and also equip them. Um, and how they can either walk through it themselves, if that might be uh, the situation they enter, or how they can walk through someone else who's walking uh, that hard journey that you've been you've mm-hmm. been in for a few years. Um, first, tell me just tell me a little bit about your family. Well, my husband and I have been married for twelve years. We are high school sweethearts, and we have three children, ages eleven, eight, and six. The two oldest being girls, and the youngest being a boy. And your husband Richie, what does he do? He is a teacher and a coach. Um, he has coached football and coached baseball, and but primarily a teacher. And I know you guys had been relocated to Arkansas. Yes. Right when a really huge change hit your family, unexpected, uh, and it and it has been a journey that has been both profound and painful, all rolled in one. So why don't you just you know pick us up there in that story and kind of what happened. All right. So uh, my husband and I, Richie, our home is East Tennessee. And in 2012, we loaded like Beverly Hillbillies and moved to Arkansas and uh, right outside of Little Rock. And it was scary, but we felt it was the right thing to do. We weren't sure why, but we just felt that it was that was the next place to go. And everything worked. Pieces fell together. And so we went. It was great. And we were there for a year. And in November of 2013, Our youngest uh, son, our youngest boy, at the age of three and a half, was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia, also known as ALL. And that began the craziness. Yeah, the craziness is (laughs) right. Yeah, and I I remember getting the phone call um, and just being 
so shocked. When you don't know a lot about leukemia and then these words uh, come, you immediately, I'm sure, began researching, trying to understand what literally had just hit your family like a, like a bomb. Well, no. No, you didn't. <laughs> you don't have time. Ah. Um, the diagnosis, the pediatrician's um, appointment was at 2.30 in the afternoon. By 3.30, we were sitting in the emergency room. By 6 o'clock that evening, we had the diagnosis of leukemia. For me, um, I think I can speak for my husband. That night, it felt like a death sentence. So there wasn't a lot of time to research. The next day, we woke up and it was, we were in fighting mode. It was, okay, you know, let's battle this, let's get it going. They started tests and blood infusions and such. So, and then they come in with this three ring binder that is probably a good three inch three ring binder full of material. So you had, it was a crash course. So it wasn't, you learned what you had to that day just to get by to the next day, but it, no, you don't get to sit around and just Google and try to research all you can. It's very much. So yeah. it's so it's immersive immediately. 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 Because he was in bad he was in bad shape and they needed to do they did three blood transfusions on him just mm -hmm. to get him leveled back out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That night we started blood transfusions. The next day we started testing spinal fluids, bone marrow aspirations, and then probably the next day we we they put the port in. And then as soon as the port was in, we started chemotherapy. It's, it's immediate. It's within two or three days the chemotherapy starts. And I know that that had obviously a massive uh, impact on his body, on how he processes uh, his own thinking. I mean, and chemotherapy is, is a tough thing. Uh, but when you're little and you can't articulate what you're feeling, I mean, how, how did that impact you as a mom? Looking back at it, I think that's one of the blessings, the hidden blessings, is that he was so young. He would wake up every day with kind of a fresh start. He didn't feel good, but he didn't eternalize. He didn't dwell on the not feeling good. He was scared, but he was very scared for moments. And, you know, as long as me or daddy was around, we could comfort him. So when it's your child sick, especially when they're that young, I think there are times when all the mental and emotional part does fall on the parents. You know, he dealt with it physically, yet all the emotional part fell on caregivers' parents. Um, so that, that was a silver lining, was that he was so young. Um, his, his sufferings emotionally or the mental part of it was very kind of shallow, very day-to-day, -day. was different, was new. You know, he's grown up with this. He's now six and a half. And to him, the thought, you know, that's all he knows is the chemo every night and the medicines and the port. He doesn't know life without it. So, right. I mean, in a sick, ingrained. twisted world. Yeah. yeah, it is. That's yeah. so, so painful uh, to even just think about. Uh, when you are brand new to a community, you've only been there a year. How hard was that? Or were there moments within that context of you guys having relocated that indicated to you we're in the right place for something like this to happen? Absolutely. Yes. Our, we could sit for hours and talk about we were absolutely in the right place at the right time. His hematology oncology doctor was a parent of one of my husband's kids that he taught and coached. And so he came in from eating dinner with his um, 
family and came in to be with us because he knew he got the call. He probably got the call before we did. Wow. And he came in. Um, our, our school community is within a mile from the hospital. And so there are a lot of people that work at the hospital that go to the school. And so we felt with our church, our church was phenomenal. With our church and the school, because we had no family around, it honestly, it felt like a mother hen. Like we were surrounded on all sides. You know, not just family, not people who had to be there, but people who chose to be there. People who wanted to be there. So it it made it. If it wasn't for that, we couldn't have made it. And see that, you know, that is such a testament to you might not know why you're being moved or shifted and something mm-hmm. is happening, but when you get in the moment, you can look back and go, wow, yeah, that was an intentional move by some divine, beautiful God who uh, knew that he was going to usher us to a place where exactly what we needed at the exact moments would be absolutely accessible for us. It, it happened that night. We were in the emergency room that night when we got the diagnosis and my husband and I looked at each other and we said, this is why we're here. Wow. This is why we're here. To be able to figure that out the very first day is just, is that is how obvious it was to you. I mean, that's yes. just how powerful uh, that truth is. And, you know, you guys uh, have been walking through this since late 2013. Tell me some of the the ways that it's impacted your children, your older children, and what they've walked through in watching their little brother struggle, have treatments, not be able to go places, those kinds of things that change the the normal routine of what growing up looks like. So when people ask kind of in general, what's it like or how tough it is? um, We were a family of five. At the time, we had a three and a half year old, a five year old, and an eight year old. And, you know, my, my husband coaches, so we were in peak season. He was working on his master's full time something not a lot of people know. He was actually writing papers while we were in the hospital. So you take that and that's a busy life. That's busy and that's hectic. And we've recently moved away from family. Um, and then you add cancer onto that and it is, it's crippling. It's crippling. And um, so I was a mother to Harper who is sick and hurt. But at the same time, I was a mother to two other girls who were who were very hurt and sick in their own way. And they needed a lot of attention. And there was just a lot of times we couldn't give it. And that was very hard. It was very hard. Um, And so we were very specific in asking school and asking church, asking people around us, you know, give attention to these girls when you can, love on them when you can. The schedule for his kind of leukemia was um, we were at the hospital anywhere from four to five days a week, anywhere from four to seven hours. There were several times when it was 10 or 12 hours a day. Um, It is a true disability. Um, It's considered one of the disabilities within the social security system. One parent has to stop working. There's no way. And so it was very hard because I watched my son, the cancer patient hurting, but I also watched my two girls suffering and hurting and there was very little I could do for them. And I watched my husband work his butt off (laughs) with school and with work and try to manage a house. And it was, it was hard. It was a year of survival. We didn't thrive that city that year. We survived. (laughs) Well, and that's, I mean, and that's what you had to do. Yeah. There were no choices. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, 
in knowing a few people who've walked different journeys through uh, cancer or any kind of sickness, life becomes uh, day to day. You cannot predict. And all the normal stuff, I call it a windshield moment. When you're driving and something hits the windshield, it's the only thing you can see. <laughs> and you have to, you know, try and get that off the windshield, so to speak. Um, and that's a windshield moment for you. Everything else that's in the distance kind of falls away and you just deal with the one thing right in front of you yeah. and plow through. Yeah. And as a mother, has it made you more fearful walking through something like this or has it grown you to have a sense of faith and just take each day as it is? I mean, because that would be, wow. I mean, that's just hard. No, um, I, I don't say this naively. I, after... Feeling the emotions and watching my son really suffer for a year physically. I mean, he really hurt for a year. And watching my my family, I I don't fear much anymore. (laughs) They're alive and they're doing well. And things like money or the politics, that's the fun thing to talk about now. I mean, things like that, it just doesn't. They're healthy and they're alive and everything else will fall into place with help and love and work. And, you know, it doesn't. So, no, I'm not I'm not nearly as fearful. I don't fear much anymore at all. I kind of feel like I've I've been to the deepest darks that a mother could go to as of right now, except for the ultimate, you know, the ultimate um, sacrifice. So I don't fear much no. So it's changed just how you're navigating through in your own personal life, your world. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think it has shifted your community? Because I know many people came together. There's a convergence of people loving, serving, helping, assisting. Uh, How did that change just the dynamic within the school around Harper? Well, it was um, it was humbling from mine and Richie's point of view, humbling to see, you know, we care and we're going to fight for this kid. But to see other people donate time or money or just love and prayers um, was very humbling, very, you know, they had no stake. They had no reason to, they were doing it for, you know, just out of love and generosity. And so it was very humbling. Um, and the same thing with church. I think I can speak for my husband also. We kind of are, um, very independent people, very, um, independent thinkers. We don't like to acknowledge that we might have to depend on others. (laughs) And, um, they're both very strong people. That <laughs> yes. I know. Yeah. And this knocked us on our keisters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we didn't have a choice. We had to depend on just the love and support of other people, whether we wanted to or not. We had to. And so for us, that was, it was a great lesson. It was a lesson. It's made, it's made me softer in a way. It's made me more open to receiving help and learning. I had to learn not only to, only to receive help, but to receive it with grace, you know, do it gracefully. So watching that, it's been, it was inspiring. It was really good. And yeah. I hope one day I can do that for someone else. That's the ultimate goals. When it's my time to help someone else, I can do the same for them. It's so powerful how we, we work together as human beings, even people, you know, there's people in the center of the story. If you think of the rings that spread out that ripple effect, you know, you guys were in the dead center of a really hard story Mm -hmm. and that rippled out to your own, you know, close family, your, your, your grandparents, mother, father, all of that. And then moving out further into the community. The beauty of that is, is everybody plays a role 
everybody who chooses to, plays a role to keep the thing in the center from going under. And here's the thing. It, it's not even, it's not even like a structured role. There is um, a lady at church whom I love. You would love her. Oh, <laughs> she would be a great interview. She's like this very open, vulnerable. She's a therapist. Uh, she's just one of those energies. Um, and she doesn't even know this, but one day she just came up and gave me a hug and I wasn't asking for it. And I wasn't, I felt strong. It wasn't even a bad day. And, uh, she gave me a hug and it was just instantly like, I felt like, Oh, okay. I can do one more week. I can do another week. Um, Something that simple. She, you know, it was just a, Hey, we're living church. Hey, love you. See you next week. Hug goodbye. But it was just in that moment. It's what I needed. I didn't know it, but. And that's all it takes, just a hug. Or uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go out and say if someone's hurting and you know they are and you do go to hug them, don't hug them for two seconds. Stay in for two more seconds. Do that four-second hug or a six-second hug because that's that will make the world a difference. That sits so deep with me um, because sometimes we're in this big rush. Uh, and sometimes people don't know how to be intimate. In a, in a painful situation, they feel, they themselves feel inadequate. Mm-hmm. But the truth is all of us are inadequate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the sooner we wake up to that, like you're not going to have anything to freaking say to fix something this crappy. Yes. And don't come af- don't come up to someone in sadness. Everyone's, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's, everyone came to me with sadness and I was like, I'm not sad, I'm pissed. Get yeah. mad. Get yeah. mad at me, you know. Fight. Join, yeah, join the anger with me in this. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't be pity sad. Me. Don't give me the oh, pity. pity. Oh, yeah. pity. Oh, I still get pity when I'll say something. Someone knows that my son's diagnosed and they tilt their head and they give that all. And I'm like, no, don't do that. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Be tough. Be strong. Be yeah. in this to win this. I mean, yeah. that's just all that's all there is to it. And no one's going to be able to say something to fix it. No one's going to be able to say something um, that is so perfectly crafted that suddenly it lifts the burden. It's not even about someone carrying it for you. It's just someone standing beside you while you are totally on the ground with the weight of it. One of the things that really surprised me, um, I believe in prayer. Um, I've you know grown up with prayer. I, I really believe in it, appreciate it. Um, when he was diagnosed... I don't even know how we received cards in the mail from people we just don't know. We don't even know the connections of how they knew from churches that would, he's now on our prayer list. And I mean, and it was great. And when I first started getting them, it was after a while when I realized there were days, there were many days where I just didn't have the energy. I didn't have the strength. I wasn't in the spirit (laughs) to reach out and pray, but it was very comforting to know I had, I had the carts just kind of hooked up on this little board we had. And I, kn- I could look at them and I knew people were, even on days when we could, people were. Yeah. And that's what, that's how we carry each other. <laughs> I mean, that's how we do it. You know, um, we are willing to love and pray. And uh, I had Harper's picture out for the longest time. And I've got a prayer list uh, beside my sink because I happen to be a mom who spends a lot of time in the kitchen, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, I would see his name week after week after week after week. And I w- there wasn't a day, you know. And uh, I think that's, that's how we carry each other. Yeah. Some people carry in quiet ways. 
Um, some are, you know, they come and bring a full dinner. Generally, I'm not a casserole maker. It's just not how I listen. There's only so love. many casseroles you can eat. <laughs> it, gift cards to restaurants were blessings to us. Yes. Because with kids, there's only so many casseroles you can eat. And then after that, you need you need a little McDonald's or something. That's right. I mean, you, yeah, you've got to shift it up. But <laughs> truly, you know, people uh, coming together and doing what each of them they do their part, it carries you through. And, uh, you know, we talked uh, a little bit at Thanksgiving about just how sometimes people try to keep from you their good news because they don't feel like they have a right to have it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Not only good news, but also bad news. I had a very close girlfriend that I found out several months later had gone through a really tough time um, emotionally and, and she really struggled. And when I found out about it afterwards, I got a little snappy. Why didn't you tell me? How could you have gone through all this and never told me? And she said, well, you had so much you were dealing with. And my response was, was we could have cried together. You know, we could have been on the phone talking and complaining and crying together. Like, why? And and for years, and even now, I still hear people say, oh, well, it's not cancer. So it's not, well, you know, that's, that's just, that's not right. That's not okay. It's not cancer, but it's your kid that might be hurting, whether it's an ear infection or a stomach bug or whatever. And it's, when your kid's hurt, it doesn't matter if it's cancer or if it's a stomach bug or a girlfriend, you know? Right. And so I experienced that. And I mean, of course, I didn't, I don't hold grudges over it, but it was, it was kind of a, don't hold that from me. You don't. felt isolated. Yes. I felt like I'm, I'm already isolated enough. I'm right. cut off kind of from a family. I'm, I'm stuck in this cancer world. I'm, you know, we're kind of already isolated. And now just in conversation, we're isolated because people don't want to come to us about things. And they're uh, doing it in good intention. They're yes. trying to what they consider to be. And we all need to learn from this because this was really illuminating for me when Crystal shared this the other day. Everybody is trying to not add to your burden. But that in itself is a burden when people are keeping you from what is the natural loop of the day-to-day friendships that you all embrace and have. Right, right. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not talking about the lady who took your parking spot and so you're mad. I'm I'm talking about she went through an emotional struggle um, that any other time in our lives I would have known and I would have been there and we would have talked and I wasn't a part of that. And, you know, and like I said, yeah, she was trying to to protect me we're trying to keep that from me but yeah i mean it's just it's things like that it's you know reach out to that person that's hurting and you know if they say this is too much then you know back off but you know we could have cried together you know we could have and that's such a great lesson that uh you know no matter i mean i think sometimes we want to take the yardstick and measure what we perceive as is the harder thing and clearly i'm just going to be real with you what you were walking through was the harder thing on uh, let's be clear you know it, it was hard but it's not the hardest it's not the hardest i knew that yeah. immediately yeah. Uh, well within the first two or three days i saw a mother get the news that the treatments weren't working yeah. that they were done um i saw a baby that was like 2 months old that Um, was born without an immune system, would never have one. And so its chances were not very good. So even me sitting in cancer world as a mother knew this is not the hard, you know, I mean. There's always someone walking through something harder. Yes. So why not walk with it together? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge lesson for just how we can navigate uh, the hardest things that our friends are walking through. Walk with them together. 
Yeah. Now that you're you you are on the other side, so not all the way, but almost. Yes. Almost. The light is here. It's, at, it's <laughs> I can see it, and it's growing each day. Yes. And so the last treatment for Harper is coming up in January. So yeah. ALL is has the best cure rates, the best rates uh, percentages, but it's one of the longest. So it's about three and a half years of chemo treatments. So January will be his last chemo treatment. We're going to celebrate. I mean, and it's not just for him. It's for the whole family. I mean, these girls, these two older sisters, they've been through the ringer. You know, I mean, it's it's been hard. It really has. It, and it's grown them up. Oh, yeah. Much faster. Yeah. And uh, they're they're beautiful souls. Yeah, they're they're good. They're well, you all are good. good. You're such an exceptional family in the way that you, uh, the way you love each other and how tough you are. There's a toughness and there's always been a tough, okay. There's always been a toughness about you. (laughs) Southern Appalachia right there, buddy. You're born with it. Oh man, baby. No one ever has to wonder what you're thinking. And I mean, not that I'm much different. So we're, we're too spicy. You're just nicer about it than I am. (laughs) I am nicer on the surface, but inside, if people could hear the internal dialogue, some jaws might hit the floor, but that's okay. But that toughness you have passed on to your amazing kids. and But they've also lived in the middle of it all. There have been amazing good moments in the middle. Mm-hmm. There have been beautiful gifts in the middle of the darkest journey. Do you have one that pops to mind that was just a blissful gift in the middle of it all? So he was diagnosed early November. And so Christmas came around. We were out for Christmas break. And he is very, very much in the throes of um, his cancer. And he's He's just very sick, and he's um, gained a lot of weight. He looks very different. He looks like your cancer kid. He has no hair. He's gained a lot of weight because the steroids. And um, he woke up, and he had life. He had spirit, and it was just like that. He just woke up, and he had some energy. And the girls, who at this point were um, because they were eight and six, uh, eight and five. You know, they were kind of scared. They they didn't want to go, you know, it was kind of like a newborn again. They didn't know what to do. They didn't they didn't want to go hold him and love him and, you know, because he didn't feel good. He didn't want them to. So it was, there was just not a lot of affection that was going around between the siblings. And so on that day when Christmas, um, around Christmas, he woke up and he felt better. And we videoed a lot of that day because the girls, he interacted with the girls and they sang and they played and they were kissing them. There was one where the, my oldest just kept kissing them. Um, so it was just good to see, just good to show love again and affection. And that's, that's what we needed. And so they kind of came to life. We all did. And, and you had that to hold you together to make it to the next time oh yeah you did oh yeah no yeah they don't last forever yeah. but it gets you through just yeah. just enough i kind of think of um and this also happens with people who have reached out and helped uh when you think of kind of a path or a journey which is really nice because it felt like <laughs> it felt like a trudge it didn't feel like a path or a journey it felt like trudging through the mud but you know like when you have a lamp post and you walk into light and then you keep walking and it's it's fading out behind you. And then just when it gets dark, there's another lamppost. And so it was just moments like that with the girls or moments like that with people helping us that kind of felt, you know, it was just, it wasn't a continuous light. It wasn't, you know, but it was just when you're just about getting to darkness, another one would come and it would see you through. That's just the way God works. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that little bit of light, um, 
is the rescue in the darkness. And if it can get you just a few more steps on that you can actually see, you can make it to yeah. the next one. Yeah. Whoo, that got me. I want to read something that you wrote. You had a caring bridge up, and I've shared some photos from that for the people who are listening to this interview. But you said life, but particularly a journey with medical issues, is like walking through an untouched forest with only a desire to make it out, but little knowledge or tools. The desire turns to faith. Knowledge comes from the experience and you stumble upon friends, acquaintances, and strangers that provide the tools just in the nick of time. And that has been your trudge slash journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think prior to this, I would have been the person to, would have been foolish enough to say, oh, I, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I'll, I'll get our family through it. I can do it. Pull on your bootstraps. Let's go. Um, afterwards, I am wise enough to say, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> um, it's, it's ultimately us. I think it was ultimately us as parents to get our family through it, but we could not have done it on our own. And not only could we not have, I don't want to, I, I no, I don't, I don't want to do it on our own. Um, which is a really powerful shift for you. It is. It is. Because, yeah, I'm a very, yeah. I, yeah. Because you're like, I'll take care of it. Yeah. You're an I'll take care of it person. To but, a fault. <laughs> yeah. But you moved into the space of we. Yeah. You know, you moved from the I to the we. Uh, that will change the rest of your life. That will change every single thing that you journey through will be completely different because of what you've walked through. And if there is any gift, because cancer sucks. Yeah. We know it sucks big but if there's any gift it is it's that residual growth that you get as a person to look at life with a different lens for the rest of your days yeah and your children have that too yeah and they're marked by it yes marked by the struggle of it but also marked by the power of what it can do uh when a family navigates it with community and love um you know i, I asked you to tell me your i am's because i i so you know we know and i say it every single interview but what follows those I am's is what determines our future. It's, it's how we see ourselves. It's what's shaping us. So, so tell me your three I am's, Crystal. Okay. Well, my first one is I am real. I'm genuine. Um, what you see is what you get, whether you like it or not. Sorry, <laughs> but that's what it is. Um, my second one is I'm a badass. <laughs> I just am. I'm tough and I'm going to keep going. Um, I might complain along the way but keep going. Um, and then the third one, it took me a minute, but it's very real. I'm, I'm seeking peace. Um, this we've survived. We've made it. We're thriving. We're doing well, but it will take a long time to seek peace from it and just to feel peaceful about it. Right. So that's the most currently that that will be years. That's kind of looking ahead. I'm seeking peace and probably will be for a while. And it will continue to find you. There will be many lampposts of peace yes. that God will send. You're one of them. Oh, well, you're one of them in my life. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, you and I can talk for hours and it literally feels like 10 minutes. And you and have we have. Of, yes, we have. <laughs> for I think the last phone call we logged was about four hours a few weeks ago. Yeah. But there is a depth to you. And you've always had that, though. You've had it when you were a teen. Uh, you know, I've watched that in you. But there is a deeper resonance of, of real, true, centered 
in who you are and who what your role is in the world and in your family that uh, is just downright awe, jaw-smacking, inspiring for me. And uh, you certainly are a badass, and you are one of the most beautiful ones I've ever seen, not just externally because you're stunningly beautiful, but internally there's just a beauty in you that you carry with you that... Um, it's just marvelous, and I'm so thankful that Harper is doing well. I'm so thankful for all the team and the hands and those who loved and for your family and the journey that you've walked. Thank you for honoring me uh, by doing something that is outside your comfort zone. <laughs> yes. As you're grinning across from me. Uh, to just, Nobody listens to these, right? right? Oh, they do. They do. Oh. Uh, for you to open yourself up and talk about things that we that we uh, all need to learn and we need to, to constantly be aware that, uh, you know, I, I had an amazing thought. For someone, the sun is shining. For someone else, it is raining. Let us always remember those who are in the rain when we are basking in our sun. Yeah. And for me, that, that's just the heart of what you've talked about today. Um, you know, for all of your family, the sun would come out for days and then it would rain for weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are, we're better when we journey together. And I think you've given any listener some tools on how to walk with someone else in crisis. And that's also one more gift that uh, you pay forward. And I love that. So thank you for uh, sitting with me and having this beautiful and very heartfelt and very real conversation. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we will continue. Uh, We're all sniffling. So I'm leaving the sniffles in. I'm not going to edit those out. They come with it. (laughs) They do. They do. And they should. We'll continue to lift up Harper. And for those of you who are listening, add him to your prayer list uh, for his continued wellness and for this beautiful Marsh family. And, you know, guys, I'm so glad you're listening. My heart is always to to bring just real human stories, real conversations about how we navigate through this freaking amazing, hard, awful, brutal thing called life. And uh, you can find us. Uh, onthefly.podcast.com. You can reach out to me, Tina, on the fly at gmail.com. And as always, we are, and this is the perfect evidence of it today, we are so much better when we do this together. Go out and live the one life as only you can. Pay the love forward. Walk with somebody. Get out there and do the thing that you're meant here to do. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.